So each week, when we come to Awaken, there's a few things that are absolute staples pretty much every time. We talk a lot about the Bible because we believe that the Bible is God's word. It is true. It is truer than anything else out there. It has been vetted over many years. Um, and we, have, we just believe what it says. Um, there's a lot of evidence for why, but uh, it is the word of God. It has been inspired by him, written through people that actually spent time with God, um, Jesus, when he walked the earth. And so it's like a firsthand account in a lot of ways of what God has done. And so we come back to the word of God because it's true. We talk about Jesus a lot. If you don't know Jesus, he's the one that we believe um, was God on earth in human form. He walked with us. He talked. He like had the full human experience, but was also fully God. And we believe that, um, that he came to save us, that he died and was resurrected, was resurrected, um, which is Easter. So great timing for that. Um, and so we talk about him because he is the savior of our lives. We love him. Everything that we do is for him. And then at the end, we try to create a space for us to respond to what God is doing in us. So we try to make a space each week, or at least the opportunity um, for each of us to say, okay, what is something that stuck out? Or what is something that God is putting on my heart personally tonight um, that I need to spend a little bit more time actually thinking about how I can apply that to my life? Because we want to be people that are constantly being transformed by God. The world doesn't need people that just intake a lot of information and that's it. The world needs people that are being transformed to look like Jesus. And I love this environment. I love that we get to practice doing that um, together alongside people that are in the same stage of life as us and are also running really hard after Jesus. But the bad news is we're heading into summer, where for some of you, um, you're not going to have this community anymore. I know some of you, there's quite a, actually more hands than I was expecting that said they're sticking around for the summer. That's awesome. Um, so we'll have kind of a, a smaller version of this. Um, but I know that there's some of you that are going on missions trips overseas or going to work at camps or going home to other states, and you might have a church there and a great community that you're a part of, and you might not. And some of you maybe, I don't know what your summer looks like, but um, it's working, and you're just in an environment that doesn't feel super community-oriented or Jesus-oriented as this, right? So what does it look like when we're taken out of our, our normal rhythms, our environments, for you seniors, you're like stepping out of this realm forever, essentially. Um, you're stepping into a very different stage of life. So what does it look like when we're taken out of our normal context, our normal circumstances, for us to still run after Jesus? Because community is wonderful. It is a gift. It's from God. We need it. And our walks with Jesus cannot be dependent on other people. Can we agree with that? So tonight, I think it's going to be a little bit more personal or individual, but my prayer is that when we come back, in he come back here over the fall, if you join us again, um, this community will actually be richer and deeper and more mature in Jesus because of the ways that each of us took ownership of our walk with Jesus and said, I'm going to lean into him even when it's hard, even when it's just me even when I'm in a very different context than I normally am, when I'm living with people that I don't normally live with, when my life looks different, I'm going to lead myself to leaning into Jesus 
And I think that's going to make, honestly, all the difference for you and for all of us. And so this week I was asking God what was on his heart for tonight. And there were three things that I felt like he gave us um, that are actually really simple, (laughs) but I think if we can catch them are going to be very profound. And that's who we are, what we're made for, and how we actually live that out. So first off, who we are. There's, um, there's some things that the Bible says are exclusively for followers of Jesus. It's like, if you walk with Jesus, if you have given your life to him, this is for you. There's also some things that are just like, this is for everyone. This is um, who we are created to be as people. And so whether you call yourself a Christian or you would say that you follow Jesus or none of the above, there's a couple of things that the Bible makes very clear about all of us. Genesis 1, the very beginning of the Bible, says that God created us in his image. It says, in the image of God, he created them. So he says that a couple of times, which means it's very important. It means that all of us have characteristics and personalities, talents and preferences that actually reflect God himself. Okay, we're very, very, very pale comparisons, but still, all of us have things inside of us that were made to reflect our creator. And that doesn't mean that everything about us is like God, but that does mean that there's some part of each of us that allows the world to see a little bit more of what God is like and who he is like. Psalm 139 tells us that um, as individuals, we were created very intentionally and with purpose. And there may be some of you that are like, I honestly kind of feel like God just made a big machine and hit like the randomizer button and I came out. Like, like my quirks are weird. My personality is all over the place. None of me makes sense. Um, And that is not true. Psalm 139 was written by this guy named David who had this deep and incredibly rich friendship with God. He spent all of his time just in the field watching sheep, talking with God. So he had a very close relationship with him. And in this song that he is writing to the Lord, um, he wrote, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Do you hear the intentionality about how God created us? There's nothing about us that's all that random or an accident. God took the time to put each of us together, right? We're complex people, and that is intentionally designed by a very complex God. So if you're ever like, I don't really feel like I understand myself or the God of the universe, that's totally fair because we're very complex, and so is he. This next verse, I'm going to read in a slightly different translation, the New Living Translation, not because it changes the meaning. I just like the, the way that they phrase it a little bit better. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And what I love about that is because he's talking about, man, God, God looked ahead at my whole life. He saw all of my days, wrote them down in, in his book, whatever that means. I'm fascinated to see the library of all of our books one day. But he had them all written down. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed, and that was before we were born. Isn't that interesting? 
We hadn't even existed yet, and God knew what was going to happen. It's because he had a purpose that he made you for. Think about this. It's like he looked at all of the days of your life, and he said, okay, you. You're going to need, just, just for what's coming, you're going to need to be bent a little bit more towards, like, compassion than probably a lot of other people. Um, I'm going to give you a, a really deep value for doing things the right way, not just the easy way. And I'm going to give you, like, a passion for, for people of other cultures because there's some other people over here that I want you to be friends with, but English is their sec- second language, and so I want you guys to be friends, so I'm just I'm going to make you really passionate about other cultures, okay? It's like that. Like, he just he saw the days of your life, and he goes, I know what you need. And then he designed us. My personal belief, this is not in the Bible, this is how I interpret the Bible, so you can take it or leave it. But I think that a lot of times, we have a tendency to jump ahead of ourselves a little bit, especially at this stage of life, right? You get to college and everyone's like, what's your major? What are you doing? What's going on in your life? And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe you do, and you're like, I have my five-year plan all laid out. It's going to be awesome. But either way, the question that we prioritize the most often is, what am I supposed to be doing? What's the thing that I'm called to? What's the career or the ministry or the country or the hobby or whatever um, it is that God wants me to give my life to? And I think we're asking the wrong question first. I think what we really need to ask first and what we need to start with is who did God create me to be? What are the things that he instilled in me that I actually don't see in a lot of people around me and is really needed? What are the passions and dreams and skills that he has given me? And I think once we start to have an idea of those, those God-given characteristics that each of us have, then what we're made for starts to make a little bit more sense. So what are we made for? Again, there's some things that the Bible says um, that we all were innately created for. Let's go back to Genesis 1. God created the first human, and he said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You got it? Go do that. Okay, a lot of times we read the be fruitful and multiply, and we're like, God's telling us all to have a lot of kids. No, (laughs) that's not what that means. (laughs) Maybe for some, but um, what it means is take what you have been given and do something with it in a way that fills the earth. Do something that actually adds and contributes in a, world, in, a, in a way that the world needs. We are made in the image of a creator. He put this whole world together and then looked at us and said, great, what do you think we should do next? Join me in actually working on the rest of it. Isn't that crazy? Like God invites us to help him develop the earth. That is, you can just sit on that for a while. That's kind of mind-boggling. But he invites us to work alongside him. And he is so personal that even in that, he has a specific calling and purpose that he made you for. What I see in scripture is that he constantly is calling people into deeper layers of who he has made them to be. Like, I don't, 
I was trying to figure out how to phrase this earlier. I don't think our definition of calling is actually the same as God's. I think when we say my calling, what we mean is the job that I'm called to or um, a position or the thing that I'm going to spend most of my time in life doing. And I think God's version of calling looks more like calling us out to be more of who he's already created us to be. So here's some examples, just in case you're trying to wrap your head around this. Genesis 2, we're doing a lot in Genesis today, but in Genesis 2, God makes the earth, and then it says, there was no man to work the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. And then if you skip down to verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Okay, so God looked at the world, and he said, there's something missing. There's a problem. There's all this earth, but there's nobody to actually, like, take care of it and maintain it and help it grow and produce fruit and food. What should I do about that? Oh, I'll make a person. I'll make a person that was literally created to take care of the earth. So his solution was a person. And that's what, like, if you look at Adam's life, he knew that's what he was made for. That's what he spent the rest of his life doing. By the time you get to Genesis 4, I think it is, um, there's like a, the whole chapter is pretty much entirely about his sons, but it speaks to what Adam had did throughout his life. He learned how to take like metals and materials and make tents and instruments, and he learned how to cultivate food. I bet that took a lot of trial and error, (laughs) just to be honest, which sounds really boring to me, but maybe he loved it. I don't know. Um, But he learned how to take the resources that he was given and actually turn them into something that was beautiful. He made instruments, and then he learned how to play those instruments. That's crazy. So by the time his sons come around, there's, like, enough going on that they could build a city. In Exodus, God sees the Israelites in slavery. So there's a whole backstory there, but just know there's this group of Israelites. They're in slavery. God said, that's a problem. And so his solution was a guy named Moses. And he said, Moses, I have made you to be a voice of leadership. Therefore, I'm going to give you these words, and what I give you, you're going to lead, you're going to use to lead an entire nation to freedom. And what I love about this story is Moses argues with God. We do that sometimes, right? We're like, actually, I don't really think that's what you made me for just to be honest here. (laughs) Moses is like, no, seriously, you've got the wrong guy. I don't talk that well. Like, I can't really articulate things super clearly. Like, it's it's just not me. You're going to try to argue with the God that created you about who you are? Good luck. But what I love is it shows that God knows him so much better than he knows himself. And just because Moses believed that about himself didn't actually make it true. Just because he was like, nope, it's not me, that didn't make it less true that that is who he was. He was called to be a voice of leadership to an entire nation. And it was when he chose to believe what God said about him that he started to actually move forward in his calling and in being part of the solution to the Israelites' problems. Okay, those are a couple of like kind of dramatic examples, like beginning of the earth type things, um, where there's very significant ramifications of that, right? 
not all of us are going to have like the drastic world-altering callings on our lives, right? Sometimes I think we were made to just specifically impact a few people. In the book of Ruth, I love this story because God looked at the world and he saw a lonely woman named Naomi and she just lost everything. Like her two of her son, both of her sons died and her husband like all within a very short time period. I want to say like maybe a matter of weeks or days. Um, so she lost everything really quickly. She was left with these two daughter-in-laws. And God looked at her and he saw a problem. She's lonely. She needs a friend. She needs help. And his solution was her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And back then, names used to mean a lot. It used to really speak to who that person was, which I don't know how they did that because, like, you have a child and you don't know anything about them and you're just supposed to name them what they're going to be one day. But that's, I guess, how it worked. Because Ruth means friend. So God calls her into the friend that she was created to be, to bring comfort to her mother-in-law. It's really simple. It's an awesome story. If you actually read the rest of it, the end of it means that um, Ruth, the genealogy of Ruth leads to Jesus. Just saying. It's kind of crazy. I'm not saying that all of us are going to have stories like this, but I really do believe that there's something significant that happens when we trust God and follow him into the callings that he's given us out of the people or the, I don't know, the person that he designed us to be. So what does it mean to be fully who we are designed to be? How do we take this from being a very nice idea in theory to actually living it out, right? Okay, we're going to re pause, recap again, but with a few more practicals. So we start with understanding who we are and also who we are not. Because there's aspects of our personalities that are wonderful. David knew that. He's like, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. There's parts about us that are awesome. And there's aspects of our, our character um, that are the results of sin. And so in understanding how we've been designed by God, we have to know the difference between this is who God has made us to be and this is actually just my own sin or immaturity, okay? We can't, we can't make excuses for our sin and say, sorry, that's just how I was made. <laughs> just made to be an angry person, I guess. Like, that's, that's not it, okay? So we have to take ownership of the parts of us that are not from God and deal with those, and then we fully embrace the things that he put in us that are from him. Ephesians 4, through 24 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so that is possible. We can actually set aside um, the things that maybe our, our own human nature wants to do, and we can embrace or fully put on um, the what the Bible calls the new self or the renewed and restored version of ourselves that God has created us to be. And I think sometimes we hear that and we're like, ah, but here's the thing. If I like actually do that, if I actually try to look like Jesus, I'm going to be so boring. Has anyone ever thought that like in all honesty? Because I know that's out there. Thank you for being honest. Um, but please don't believe that lie. 
It's not true. He's the one that designed you and created you, and so when you become more like him, it actually brings out the best parts of you. He brings out the best sense of humor that you have, the most imaginative creativity that you have, and whatever else is already in you, God makes it so much better. Just take my word for it. Thank me later, okay? And if you don't already know what's in you, that's totally fine. But don't stay there. Don't just be like, I'm just like an average whatever. I'm not particularly passionate about anything. I'm not like particularly talented or good at anything. Okay, I sat there for a long time. Do not recommend. You are worth discovering who you are. So my recommendation, this is going to get real practical for a sec, would be, ask, would be to ask someone or the one that actually knows you best. And that doesn't have to be anything like weirdly over-spiritual. It can just be, hey, God, what did you, like, what are the things that you created in me? And then you sit and you listen. And you write down the first thing that comes to mind. And then you compare it to the Bible and you say, does this go against scripture or does this sound like it could be the Lord? It's not it's not overly complicated. That doesn't make it like the most easy, but it's not complicated. So ask him, hey, God, what are some things that I'm good at? What are some things that I'm really not good at? Because that can be helpful. What are, what are things that I enjoy? What are the things that I could talk about for hours and never get tired of? Just start asking him questions and then let him teach you about who, you, who he has designed you to be because he knows a lot better. You also can ask the people around you, your family, your friends that know you and love you and have an outside perspective, say, hey, what are some things that you think I'm good at? What, what do you enjoy about me? And just let the people that you love and trust start speaking into the things that they see in you. You could also take some personality tests. I love personality tests, but like you also maybe don't hold them as like absolute truth, <laughs> okay? Like they are, they're not truth. And so um, they can be helpful and useful, um, but it's not like this is my new Bible, right? Basically, <laughs> just start paying attention to yourself and learning about how you were designed. It's, it's probably not gonna happen overnight. Um, it's a journey and that's great. I think we will all be learning a lot about ourselves for probably our whole lives. You were created specifically, intentionally, and purposefully. That means you do not, you're not going to do well at trying to be someone else. Okay, so don't play the comparison game or the envy game. Don't say, man, I just, I wish I could just do this thing and then my life will be filled or I wish I was just more like this person and then everything would be great. If you start playing that game, everyone loses and no one wins. So, not a recommendation. And then listen to what God actually says about you. Don't be like Moses. Don't disagree. Say, nope, sorry, that's not actually who you made me to be. Just accept it, receive it. Test it against scripture. Make sure it's like actually the voice of God. Um, but then trust what he says because he knows you best, better than anyone else. And at some point, 
We have to let God tell us what he has made us for. And it might sound a little bit different than you expect. I was talking with a friend about this recently, and she, she said, I used to ask God all the time what my purpose was and, or what my calling might be one day. And it was so annoying because he would always just tell me the things that he liked about me. I was like, great, God, what do I do? I love you. <laughs> okay, it's not like super helpful. Like, what am I supposed to do in the long run? I love your creativity. Okay, thanks. Like, <laughs> can, we, can we speed up the process? But I really do think that is often how God helps us understand what we're called to. He says, I have already instilled it deep in you. You just have to figure it out. You have to uncover what it is. Another way that you could say this is, um, is asking God, like, what his vision for your life is. Are there any, like, really visionary people in here? I am not one of those. That's awesome. Power to you. Um, and so I feel like when I ask the Lord, like, what is the vision for my life? I have to sit there for so long and, like, really, really try to hear him. But if, I'm like, if you could just tell me what to do, that would be a lot easier. I could execute that. Um, but it is worth understanding what his vision for your life is. So what this could look like is maybe you're, you're learning about yourself and you realize that a strength of yours is listening to people and asking really good follow-up questions. And so you're like, okay, God, what is your vision and your purpose for my life? His response might sound like, I love that you make people feel seen and known and heard. What we can't do is limit what we are willing to hear from God. Because if we're going to ask him a question, we have to like actually put ourselves in the position that we're going to hear what he has to say, even if it's maybe not what we want to hear. Even if it's like, I didn't really want to hear what you love about me. I want to hear like the next thing I should do. But if, we, if he starts speaking something that we don't like and we shut him out, I really think the world is going to miss out on a solution that we were meant to be a part of. Okay, so we take all that he says, and then we start to shape our lives around it. We take his vision for us and his calling for our lives, and we use it as a filter for everything else that we do. So, for example, if you hear him say something like, I love that you make people feel seen and heard and known, maybe, just maybe, that means you choose to study counseling or hospitality in college. And then maybe once you graduate, you spend a few more years in school and practicum and become a therapist. That's awesome. There's like the vision of what God has set for your life. And then there's a hundred different ways that that could play out. Because another alternate could be um, you graduate, you get some random job, and then one day you're like, you know what? I'm actually really passionate about old people. That's awesome. So then... Maybe instead of like, okay, this is how I'm going to shape my career around it, you just take your Saturdays and go to a retirement home and you listen to their life stories. That is just as much fulfilling the vision that God has for your life as what you do in your career. Or maybe one day your kids grow up just knowing that they can tell you anything because you listen to them really, really well every single day. That's just as important as anything else. Here's the secret, though. You ready? Living out our calling starts now. We can't wait for the day that we're 
okay, once I'm out of college, then I'll start stepping into like what God has made me to do. Or once I get to this point in life, once I'm in my 30s, then I'll do what God has made me to do. Or once I get X, Y, Z in order, then I can finally step into the vision that God has for me. We may not see the fruition of it until later on, like the fullness of what he has called us to, but the habits that we make now, the things that we devote our time and intention, uh, attention to, like the very mundane parts of life will shape our lives later on way more than you realize. Like the habits that you are developing now, you will carry on through after college and into your young adult lives. Speaking from experience. So if you're like, yeah, every single day I get home and I just put on a, a TV show for a couple hours, but like after, once I'm out of school, that's, I'll kick it to the curb. Like that's not realistic for life. When you get out of college and when you get a job, you're gonna come home and probably still watch Netflix for three hours. Like nothing actually changes unless you put the effort into changing it, okay? What that also means is if you're like, man, I'm gonna cultivate um, the habit of, of getting up earlier and spending time with Jesus now, it's gonna be so much easier to continue that later on. So the choices that we make now will either support what we're called to and what we're made for, or they will distract us from it. There really is no in-between, if I'm being honest. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do. That means when you're walking to class, when you're sitting in class, when you have homework, when you're trying to figure out your part-time job for the summer, when you're back at home with your siblings and they're driving you crazy, what do you do? Do you just respond out of whatever feels the most natural in the moment? Or do you say, how does this shape me into the person that God has called me to be? All of it matters. The big and important moments and the small things that we do every single day. What you do and how you live either will glorify God or it won't. All right, will you stand with me? As we end tonight, I invite you to respond to whatever God is bringing up in you right now. Even if it's like completely unrelated, if you're like, I've been in my own world this whole time, but it's been me and God, like, respond to that. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't want you to respond to anything that I have said. I want you to respond to how God is working and moving in you, okay? But I do want us to think about what this looks like over the summer. Because we're heading into a time and a season where nothing's really normal. Like, kind of anything goes for the summer, right? So how can we use this time to start shaping our lives around who we are, who God has created us to be, and what he's made, created us for? So maybe tonight you need to start at the very beginning and ask God what he loves about you. Maybe you just need to like actually let it sink in that you were created wonderfully. He has a lot to say that he loves about you. And so maybe tonight you just need to sit down and ask him and then write it down. 
and go back to it when you're like, I just need a reminder. Like, what are the things that God loves about me? Because we need that. God says over and over and over in the New Testament, remember, because he knows we are very forgetful people. So write it down, go back to it. And if you need someone to join you in that, if you're like, I don't really know what this whole hearing God thing is. I don't really know what it means to like ask him a question and hear the answer. Or if you're like, I've done this before. I have asked God what he loves about me and all I hear are lies and and shame and condemnation. Then bring someone into that. We're gonna have our ministry team up here and we would love to pray with you and just ask God, what do you love about this person? What is your heart for them? Maybe tonight, God is inviting you to ask him how to be faithful in living out what you are called to do in the here and now. Maybe you're like, I I know a little bit of what I'm made for. I know the things that I'm passionate about. I'm kind of already like going on the right track. But you haven't actually stopped to think about how do I intentionally shape my choices, how I spend my time, the way that I fill my schedule around what God has called me to. And finally, if there's really just anything that you need prayer for, um, if there's any part of, especially just like the transition of summer that you're nervous or uncertain about, um, that you want prayer for, then please come grab someone and let us pray with you. One other thing that I felt like um, that God was inviting us into is to ask him um, how to be a solution. The world is full of problems. And we were created to be people that can step in and say, I'm part of the solution. And so maybe tonight it's like, God, where where can you use the things that I'm passionate about? How can I actually give those to you and you can shape them into something that is going to be useful and beneficial for the people around me or the problems that I see? Whatever it is, just meet with God. Encounter him. Let him encounter you. Jesus, our creator, the one who knows us best and the one who loves us most, thank you. God, thank you for how trustworthy you are. God, that when you when you tell us about who we are, um, we can just say yes. Yes and amen. We agree because you know us so much better than we know ourselves. And Jesus, we just submit our lives to you again. As your creation, God, you have full authority to do whatever you want with them. So we invite you to come tonight to teach us what it means to to take ownership of our lives and say, God, do with it what you want. Even when no one else is watching, even when no one else is encouraging me, even when it's just me. God, how do I continue to live for you? How do I continue to run after you? God, would you teach us again tonight? We love you, Jesus, in your name.